Hey, this is John Matalavich from the Human Advancement Podcast, powered by Ruthless Performance. Today I'm joined by Dr. Brandon Ocker. Dr. Brandon Ocker is, is a good friend of mine, and we actually just started a new uh, venture at his uh, revived chiropractic facility in downtown Pottsville at 2205 West Market Street. So over the course of the past couple of months, things have been crazy, but we knew we wanted to start a gym, and we started accumulating some equipment for it um, and ultimately some other plans fell through but we knew we just kind of needed to push ahead so that's kind of how we got linked up with with Dr. Ocker and Revive Chiropractic here so now we have the Ruthless Performance Mobility and Fitness Studio at at Revive Chiropractic so yes. what's up Brandon? Um, yeah so you know very excited about this venture um, I think it's something that we can really help out a lot of people with um, you know it's especially in this area that's one of those um, niches that we have to have uh, that can really help advance um, both my patients and your clients. Um, and I think we work hand in hand. Um, so really, really excited about this this venture, um, like you had said, with the pandemic. bit a little bit difficult, but I think we're moving forward and I, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so just some of our, our, our history kind of started almost serendipitously um, through like a chance encounter at at Home Depot, I think it was, where you just kind of mentioned about some space. And yeah. Then, uh, we just moved forward. Because I know we knew each other uh, initially through our, our mutual friend, uh, Dr. Buddy Chichinsky, another uh, chiropractor who was, on the, he was on the Human Advancement Podcast in Season 1, probably somewhere around um, Episode 2 or 3 or 4, so pretty early on. And, and you had done some work with him um, yes. uh, a few years back, I guess, right? Yeah, uh, I actually worked for Buddy, uh, Dr. Buddy Tuchinski, uh 2012 to up until 2014, um, and then we just remained friends after that. Stayed in contact, uh, you know, and just continued to talk uh, because you know he's like you had had said he'd been on the Human Advancement podcast, wealth of knowledge right there. Um, so definitely a good person to have on your side. Um, so that's how we met. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, serendipitously, we were at Home Depot, bumped into each other. And I had said, hey, I have some space uh, thinking about doing a yoga room, but I would love to move in this direction because it fits right along with my practice. Uh, and then what was it? About a month or two later, we ended up reconnecting about that and, you know, had the discussion and started moving forward. Pieces yeah. started to fit. And, and that's something I, I do want to talk about ultimately. Uh, I don't want to get to it yet. I think the, the best way to kind of proceed is kind of talk about what you what you have done here with the practice, with the chiropractic practice, and then um, kind of talking about some of the some some other outside examples of the integrated wellness uh, studios that you've kind of seen elsewhere, and, and kind of how how we're we're almost looking at doing something like that here moving forward. So, yeah. so do you want to just kind of talk about your practice and what kind of patients you see traditionally and things like that? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I guess if you don't mind, I'm going to go off on my whole backstory of you know who I am, where yeah. where less, I come from. That's less time I have to talk. Yeah. So I'm a, a minor as well grad, 2004. Uh, I decided early on that, uh, you know, I was a computer nerd, so I love playing video games, all that other good stuff. Uh, after a year of programming, it'll let you know whether you like or hate computers. And I realized I, I hate computers. I hate programming. Uh, and I, I like people. So I was an athlete in, in high school, uh, got introduced to chiropractic while I was in high school, and uh, got had an athletic injury that was helped out with chiropractic care. So that summer after my first year of college, I shadowed some chiropractors and 
know, from that point set my sails and, and here I am. Um, so when I graduated chiropractic school, I was just about finished with chiropractic school and I, I had finished up all of my credits. I teamed up with Dr. Jack Dalvin in Pottsville um, and I did my externship for him. Um, kind of a funny story, but to make a long story short, uh, I basically worked for him for free uh, for about two months until I graduated high school or <laughs> I'm sorry, chiropractic school. So he got some free work and I got uh, a lot of great information from him. Um, 2012 to 2014, I worked with Dr. Buddy Tuchinski or for Dr. Buddy Tuchinski. Uh, 2014 to 2016, I moved out to Western Pennsylvania and I started my own practice. I was out there for about two years. Met up with Dr. Dalvin a couple of times and every single time he kept telling me he was going to bring me back to Pottsville, bring me back to Schuylkill County. Um, every single time I had said that I was not interested in that. Uh, but here I am today. Uh, so, um, you know, kind of back and forth about the whole thing. And then w once we teamed up, uh, the ball just started rolling. And uh, I knew there were a lot of people in this area that we could really help out. Um, so fast forward to today, uh, a couple of few, uh, few steps in between of taking over Dr. Dalvin's practice, buying a building and moving, moving the practice to this, this new location. Um, from that point, after doing the renovations, we knew we had this space in the back that we wanted to do something with. We were thinking yoga, but uh, like you had said, cards just aligned and you know, here we are today. Yeah, what's interesting about that is we had just missed each other by a period of months with Dr. Jack Dalvin because I was in there um, just as you were kind of finishing up chiropractic school, I was thinking about going into chiropractic. So at that point, before you, you had come back to kind of work with Jack Dalvin, I had um, been shadowing him for a few weeks at a time. And I've actually, if, if you dug around through some of his old instructional videos, I was like a, a test dummy for some of his videos. So I'm, I'm sure you probably even still have some of them on file somewhere. So that'd be pretty <laughs> funny to find. Yeah, I'm sure they're in storage. Um, and I'm sure while I was taking his seminars, I was watching videos of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, but, and, and he was an interesting character too. Um, he was pretty inspirational from, uh, from a, a local, uh, person perspective, just because of his background. He was in the NFL, correct? Yes. Uh, Cle yeah. Cleveland Browns. No, no. He played for the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. I knew it was something with a B. Denver yeah. So Broncos. That, that man, he, he's so, you know, so bright. Um, while he was in chiropractic school, he played for the Denver Broncos um, so not only was he going through, uh, you know, medical, you know, chiropractic school, but also playing professional football while he was doing it. Uh, and that's why I teamed up with him during my externship, because I knew he was sports oriented. I knew he was the man to talk to about athletes. Um, and then that that was my passion. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Um, so what what kind of modalities do you use or what kind what? When people think of chiropractic in the traditional sense, everyone just kind of thinking about spinal manipulation. Is is that what you do? And do you do things in addition to that? Yeah. So we try to do a, a multifaceted approach. So instead of just doing the, the quote unquote rackham and crackum type of chiropractic care, um, you know, we try to take that multifaceted approach where we're working on not only the joints, which is what we adjust with the chiropractic manipulation, but also working on the muscles. And uh, it just, I'm sure you have the same mindset or, you know, we have the same exact mindset that 
biomechanics is going to be the, the main factor that leads into a lot of these injuries or, or predisposes you to injuries. Um, so posture, you know, you can argue posture along with that, but it's more so the movement patterns. Um, so in a typical chiropractic visit, we'll do an examination to rule out any of the, what I call the big, bad, and ugly, all of the red flags. Make sure it's not something that is visceral, um, which would be internal, um, or any quote-unquote big, bad, and uglies like cancer, tumors, infection, stuff like that. What do you mean by the visceral things, like some kind uh, of injury? Yeah, so visceral, um, a good example of that would be when you have a heart attack. Um, somebody that has a heart attack, it's very common for them to have left-sided arm pain, left-sided chest pain, left-sided back pain, chin pain, uh, or I'm sorry, jaw pain. Uh, so if somebody presents to my office with left-sided jaw pain and we take their blood pressure and you know, do a couple other vitals and things just don't seem right. We want to get them to the ER. We don't even want to mess around with trying to adjust their back and say, okay, well, maybe this will help the pain out. We want to rule out uh, anything like that. So the viscera refers to the internal organs, um, including heart, stomach, lungs, all that other good stuff. And then, sorry, but I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt your rant there. Your, your, your continuation, how you're talking about care. Yeah. So we rule that out with the examination. Uh, then we'll set forth the treatment plan, uh, depending on what's going on. Um, typically chiropractors will do a lot of passive care while in the office and we'll send patients home with exercises. Um, it's not this exact model for everybody, but that's a, a pretty common model to do. So with sending patients home, um, the downside with that is patient has to be adamant about doing those exercises. So teaming up with somebody like yourself that can uh, that stays current on the research and and you know has the knowledge to if this doesn't work you can give them a quick modification uh, and and utilize that to help patients out. So that's that's where I see you know us fitting together really really nicely is that that active therapy portion. Um, so. I got a little bit ahead of myself there, but uh, so we'll do a lot of passive care, including the chiropractic manipulation. We might use modalities, which would include electrical stimulation, ultrasound, cold laser or low level laser therapy, um, kinesio taping. Um, there's a technique that a lot of people are familiar with that's called, uh, the brand name is called Graston Technique. Although I'm module one certified, uh, uh, have my, that certificate under my belt, um, I am not a Graston technician, so we call it muscle stripping. Um, so we'll do muscle stripping or any type of muscle work with a patient, along with any adjustments or chiropractic manipulation that might be needed at that visit. I like the I like the Graston stuff a lot. So that, that's an that's an interesting technique. I think that's something that a lot of people can benefit from. I, yeah, I I recommend that for a lot of my athletes, especially as they get closer to um, to a championship part of the season where they really need to be on their A game. So that's something that that we refer a lot of people to. Yeah. Um, so let's, now that it kind of broke into athletes, let's talk about that a little bit more. What has your experience been like after your own high school experience in terms of working with athletes kind of in the practice here? So, so what do you see and, and, and from a high school level or even from a collegiate level for that matter, um, any kind of care would almost have to be very proactive in that, you know, post injury, everyone wouldn't be here as much as they would be kind of in a physical therapy setting or something like that. So what, what are you seeing or is it post physical therapy? What, what kind of athletes are you seeing and what, what's the state that they're in? I mean, it, it all depends on the patient. Um, you know, physical therapists are great. We're, you know, that's another one of our counterparts. And I, I've referred patients to physical therapists and have physical therapists referred patients to me. Uh, it, 
a lot of it depends on the patient, the individual. Are they going to do the work on their own um, or do they need somebody to walk them through it, um, like an active therapy, like physical therapy might be. Um, so, for example, my sister, she was an athlete. Um, she tore her ACL. She had surgery to repair it. I think she she is a physical therapist, so she knows the exercises. But I think she went to PT very shortly. But then they said, this is your plan. You go and do this. You know what to do. So she actually did her own rehab. And you have a lot of, uh, especially athletes like that, that they they want to get back to their A game. They want to be the best that they can be. Um, so they're going to be adamant about it. Um, where, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, that, that transition, uh, the loss of that transition is, is the everyday patient. Um, that, you know, the everyday person or the weekend warrior where they're not competing in a sport where they might need a little extra urge or a little extra push. And that's where somebody like yourself is fantastic um, helping those people out. Um, so I hope I didn't beat around the bush. Too no, much yeah, that makes sense. That question. And even with the, the general population stuff and, and kind of what you said, like I, I, I hate, I rarely look at myself as a motivator, but I do know that when we are, when we have gotten to a point where we're working with some general population um, client, one of the things that, kind of keeps the retention high at that point isn't so much of me screaming in anyone's face, but just almost the immediacy of the results that they see with some of the corrective exercises. Yeah. I mean, they feel some of the stretches immediately right where they're feeling tight. Um, you know, like the lats are a common thing that are tight. So that's something we'll stretch or, um, like when we do sideline T-spine rotations, that's something on day one that almost everyone feels and everyone takes that exercise home and they'll do that on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a bunch of things that, that although I, I hesitate to call myself a motivator, there are a bunch of things that align to help people get motivated when they start training with us and they see the, the progress that they're making on some of these corrective exercises. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't mean to say, you know, this, this is the only population that can utilize your services or our services. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously athletes, they're actively seeking people like us, you yeah. know, uh, practitioners like us that are going to help them out. Um, and move them in that right direction. But I just wanted to leave a little side note in there that, hey, we can help everyday people with their pains. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of it is biomechanics. Um, so that that's one thing with getting a lot of patients in. Um, you know, there are some that want to do the postural exercises and some that don't. And I get it. Postural exercises are boring and bland. Uh, and that's where using, utilizing some of this equipment and, and changing Changing it up, you know, just a change yeah. um, can help get them back to that posture, get them back to those biomechanical movements um, and, and help them, right, you know, get get back to where they need to be with correcting the injury and preventing injury, um, preventing re-injury, because that's the number one occurrence. Uh, number one occurrence of low or predictor of low back pain is a past history of low back pain. So if you had it in the past, you're probably going to have it again, unless you do the right things. Um and that would be optimizing your biomechanical movement patterns and, and seeking out chiropractic care and, and trainers and stuff like that. Well, um, someone I someone I really like um, and I, I use kind of a, as a role model, someone I've actually shadowed a lot in the past and even trained with him. Um, you could tell this is pretty well, um, even this facility is pretty well reminiscent of something from him. But Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell, um, you know, we have the the west side rack the west side logo and the chuck taylor's a shit ton of band tension everywhere a lot of it's very west side oriented and one of the things that louis simmons says about powerlifting but i would go so far as to apply it to um to sports performance and fitness in general is he says that powerlifting is um 
basically three things. It's biomechanics, physics, and math. And I think I think that could be applied um, to to a broader context of pain-free range of motion as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, it, once they get set their sails for that bodybuilding journey, they want to be that Lou Ferrigo. They want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. They want to be, you know, the best of the best. Um, but there's a, a way to do it the right way. And there's a way to do it to just throw weights around. And that's what separates um, the quote unquote meatheads from the, the athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, anybody can throw a barbell around for so long until injury hits. You know, yeah, you might be throwing a 300 pounds, you know, 400 pounds on your back squat, but it's eventually going to catch up with you. Yeah. Um, and that's something that, you know, we hold as core values and I completely understand that the everyday person doesn't understand. Yeah, some some people are pretty headstrong. I think one lesson for, for younger strength and conditioning coaches to take away is in, in this regard is that there's a lot of people out there who, who kind of, they romanticize the idea of working with power lifters or bodybuilders, but... You know, those are very independent sports, and with that, you have some very independent personalities. So they could be they could be some pretty hard to talk to individuals. Um, where we kind of do with that is um, we work on on those corrective exercise protocols, and then let them go to town with their strength and conditioning work, their powerlifting training, their bodybuilding training. Um, they could do their more traditional stuff, and they could get away with it a lot longer. So as long as they're also doing these correctives in the beginning, or you know, even just to um, even just to take out your 10-minute treadmill warm-up and to do like a, a pretty a pretty rigorous mobility complex that's designed around your needs is going to get you a lot further, and even allow you to just continue to do your back and buys days, your chest and tries, and your leg days, and, and repeat that six times a week if that's what you're into. Yeah, and that, that was an important thing that we had a discussion with, um, and I don't mean to get into this if you don't want to talk about it, we can cut it out or whatever, but the PhysioMap program that we were uh, yeah. moving forward with, uh, that was one thing that really interested me because instead of, no, there's a lot of people that they, they need a lot of direction with their plans, but some of us just need some minor tweaks. And uh, that's where that physio map program comes in, that you can tweak it. We can change your biomechanics or, or help you out with these exercises in addition or replacing other exercises. But we're not going to change your entire workout. If that's what, what works for you, we want that to work for you, but in a safe way. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's really where the, the golden ticket is with this, um, is we're not completely decimating your workout Um you know, we're, we're changing it uh, just to make it healthier, make it easier for you and, and help you get those gains or, or reach your goals, yeah. whatever and it may be. For um, what, what Brandon is referring to for people out there that might be familiar or have trained with us in the past is what it's moving forward. It's going to be the PhysioMap program. But in the past, it was the ACE protocol. Um, and, and the origin of that was just through, so everyone likes to talk shit about CrossFit training and all the injuries that, that can be incurred during CrossFit. And there is some validity to that just because you're throwing everyone kind of in the same exact program, regardless of, of their, of their background. So, so there will be some inherent weak shortcomings to that, but what, what the ACE protocol has done and what we'll continue to do with the PhysioMap program is allow people to train in a group environment like that so as long as that's what they want to do or whatever their program is and it allows us an opportunity to see what your weaknesses are as an individual um you know if you have knee pain that's that's a data point we use we there are thousands of data points we use to to build together your physio map program and then from that you get three corrective exercises 
and then you can use, utilize those corrective exercises on a daily basis. And then it's just automated. It's something you don't have to think about. You know for a month that you have exercises that work for you. And then in addition to that, you can do whatever you want, whether you found a workout in a men's health magazine, you found it online, or it's just something you're doing by yourself in your basement. You have at least some part of your workout that has been designed by a professional that, that has worked with over 500 athletes on, on corrective exercises alone. So it is a remarkable program. And, and yeah, and, and just like you said, with the physio map, as we move forward with that outside of that group training environment and bringing that to an at-home audience and bringing that to other athletes and just bringing that to the general population for that matter, it's, it's something I look forward to seeing how much success it's going to have. Yeah, yeah, and that's—I mean—that's a fantastic thing with uh, ruthless performance as well as Rebecca chiropractic. Is I think we both, you know, we'll we'll put in the work and and help people out whether it's a minor adjustment, you know, patient of mine that uh, was fantastic with lifting and just had this weird leg pain, um, and, and not to get into too much detail, is more of an adductor strain issue going on, uh, and it was just a minor tweak that we had to do, and guy can lift a lot more than I could, but it was, you know, just a couple of small tweaks that got him there. And then we've done other things where we completely break down someone's squat and have them drop back down to just the barbell to try to get those biomechanics. I, I work with patients to do what we call a functional door squat, which is body weight, but you're even supporting your body to get that movement pattern back. Um, and that's the nice thing about your company as well is, you know, if they need that full breakdown, you'll do it. If they need just a minor tweak, you'll do it. Um, and it, it's keeping their goals in mind as well as keeping their health in mind too. Yeah, so that's, that, that speaks to a lot with, with PhysioMap and beyond rules performance in general, where this isn't just for people that have had some kind of history of injury. Uh, what we do with either our corrective protocols or with any of the training in general or anything we advocate for online even for free in our articles or online education whatever is proactivity so it's not even a matter of you were injured and now these corrective exercises help you move past your injury but they help you proactively avoid injury and so if you're if you're training hard for six months and you're just kind of grinding it doesn't it doesn't mean anything if you're going to be out for the next six months because you have to go through a rehab program because you busted up your ACL or you have um, elbow tendonitis, whatever the case may be. So so with that, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about what, what are some things you do proactively with. So someone just comes in with you, into you, they just say, you know, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with me. I just want to make sure... I'm crossing my T's and dotting my I's. What 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 do you do with a patient like that? Yeah, so that's that's a fine line um, in terms of the insurance realm. Um, but assurance speaking aside, um, you know, if they're looking for just a maintenance, they come in, they have no pain, no tension whatsoever that they're recalling. What we'll do is we'll do our own examination. Um, once again, we just want to make sure that they're healthy, especially because usually once we start talking with the patient and getting a thorough history, we'll find out that there is something there, um, whether it's postural, you know, they're sitting at a computer and when they're sitting at the computer, the shoulders start to get sore. Um, or, you know, tension in there, tension in the lower back. Every time they get up from sitting down, um, if they're sitting for long periods of time, they get that shoulder, you know, tension or shot in the back quick. Um, so with that discussion and that history, we'll find a couple of things out as well. Um, but if they truly have nothing going on, that would be a, a, what we would consider elective care or maintenance care. Um, and from that perspective, 
once again, just because you don't feel it, because we know pain threshold, the brain uh, is remarkable at blocking a lot of pain up until it hits that pain threshold. Um, so just because you're not feeling pain, just because you're not feeling tension, doesn't mean that there's not um, joints that are restricted or muscles that are tight or biomechanics that are, are thrown off that can be corrected. Um, so typically that's what we do with that elective care is we'll do uh, any chiropractic adjustments or manipulations at that point. We'll work on any muscles that are tight uh, and then give them uh, some, uh, give that patient a couple of exercises to try to help correct any postural or biomechanical issues that we see, um, even if it's very slight, very minor. Uh, it, it's better to catch it early than have it turn it or transition into an injury uh, because then you're, you know, two months behind the wheel um, and you're trying to get that back. Yeah, that, that's a good point in terms of proactive. Basically, what, what I'm hearing is a good point where proactive care doesn't necessarily mean you're perfectly healthy. It just means you're, you're fixing any, you're fixing the roots of the problem before they become major problems, um, which I, I think is fantastic. And like, like you were saying about someone sitting, if someone is sitting, if someone is a desk jockey, they're sitting for eight hours a day they're not going to walk away from that without some kind of postural adaptations that they should be addressing. Yeah, the body is constantly adapting to change. So, you know, whatever you're doing throughout the day, uh, a great example for that is NASCAR drivers. A lot of NASCAR drivers seek out chiropractors because they're always turning left. Um, they always have left-sided issues because they're always doing that. So, you know, you're, people don't think about their jobs as being, uh, you know, that they're, uh, the thing that could be leading to pain. You know, when they think of athletic injuries, they think of just sports um, or, you know, running or cycling or, you know, what some people don't even consider sports, but, you know, obviously we do. Uh, but it could be whatever you're doing at your job could be leading into this uh, and, and creating these uh, adaptive biomechanical changes. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, it's, and it kind of comes back to that idea of integration that I want to get to at some point, but but from a, from a fitness or from a wellness perspective, it, it's all integrated. Your body doesn't just perceive work to be over here in this one box and then, you know, recreation or sports to be over here in another box. So I, I, I think an interesting example of that is like us right now, we're sitting here, rectus femoris is getting tight. And then say, you know, before we even started this, we were talking about kind of our history with, with cycling. And so we're sitting here, rectus femoris is getting tight. And then so one might go out and for the sake of fitness or wellness, go on a bike ride, but you're, uh, you're exacerbating that flex position and, and not to say that there's something wrong with cycling, but just to say that just because you're doing something doesn't mean that there's something that's not being neglected. And it's not just because these, this work is over here and fitness is over there. No, that's the perfect, that's, that's the, the overlap between the two. Yeah, and, and people don't think about, uh, a lot of people don't think about that, uh, about connecting the two, um, but it, it's just like, you know, oral hygiene. You know, if, if you don't want cavities, you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to floss, you're going to take care of your teeth. So why wouldn't you do the same for your body? If you don't want to have muscular injuries, if you don't want to have issues in the future, why wouldn't you be stretching? Why wouldn't you be doing these things? Everybody says, oh, well, I don't have the time for that. Well, nobody has the time for it. You have to make the time for it. Uh, you have to make sure that that's, that you're, you're moving your body in that right direction and, and having the, the know-how of doing it um, or, or a good routine would be one thing that does it. And that's, that's the one thing about the exercises that I give to patients as well. I always try to reassure them and say, listen, this isn't going to take, this is going to take all but five minutes, maybe 10 minutes per day. 
for you to do this and we'll get this corrected within a couple of weeks um, if not a couple of weeks then a couple of months just depending on how bad it is um, and that's that's the glorious thing about exercises once we figure out exactly what's going on um, in the physio lab program um, once we figure out what's going on we can give those corrective exercises and it just depends on how adamant you are about that you know how quickly we're going to see some of those changes ultimately it comes down to habituation too i mean there's there's simple things you could do like say you could do most like it with the physio map or what was the ace protocol you could do those exercises in the course of a commercial break during a one-hour program if you wanted to but i think ultimately the goal shouldn't be trying to figure out where to squeeze in exercise but it should be figuring out what am I doing that's bad and how could I replace that with the positive that is exercise. So yeah. what what is a half hour of my day that I could eliminate? What's your screen time say? How how long are you on your are you on your phone? Could that time be spent doing corrective exercises? Most of them don't require any kind of equipment or anything. I mean it's all it's all feasible to do wherever. You don't need a squat rack, you don't need, you know, a, a an entire kitted out gym to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things I usually say is, you know, I just try to life is about trying to be better one day at a time or one step at a time. You know, am I the healthiest person out there? Absolutely not. There are things that I have that are bad habits, you know, foods that I might eat that I look at after a little while and I say, you know what, COVID really wrecked me because I started eating too much chocolate or I started uh, having too many sweets, which we try to eliminate. But, you know, it's just about being better one day at a time. And, and the, the hardest part is taking that first step and making sure um, that you're moving in that right direction. Uh, but like you said, it's not about finding time for it. It's about making it part of your routine. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, if you're just trying to find time for it, it's going to fizzle out at some point. If you turn it into a routine, you set aside time specifically for that, it's going to become a routine and you're going to be a lot healthier and a lot happier because of it. Yeah, we're recording this on the 7th of January, so everyone's kind of New Year's resolutions are pretty fresh in everyone's minds. And I think I think people, part of the issue with habit, habituating new behaviors is people try to go too hard, too fast. And I think, I think one of the best things people could do just to start out the new year, if you really wanted to make a change, just spend the month of January committed to doing nothing besides just drinking water for your drinks. Anything liquid, just only water or, yeah. or water and coffee, whatever the case is. But just something as simple as that is going to be something that you could automate. Once you automate that good decision, you can move on to something else. Um, kind of going back to something you said early on about even your computer. I'm going to pull in your, your interest in computer science here. Um, one of the things I like to tell people uh, to do is to think um, in terms of to think to be more more binary about their decisions so basically ones and zeros um, everyone can use logic to skirt around why they should or shouldn't be doing a behavior that they know is good for them um, so I think ultimately the what one might want to do is just think is this idea is this habit good for me or is it bad for me and not think about it beyond that and either do it or not do it Occasionally, there will be things that are good for you that you don't want to do, but the goal over the course of a long period of time should be to add up more of those good behaviors. So yeah. just know what the good behaviors are. I mean, it's not a secret. Like, carrots aren't a secret. Brussels sprouts aren't a secret. <laughs> it's just a matter of, of doing that on a regular basis and having, having those ones add up. Yeah, that, that reminds me of uh, during uh, the TV show The Office. 
which is based in Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, local area. But anyway, um, so Dwight uh, on that had said, and I, I, I'm probably going to butcher this, but I think he, Michael had told him, don't be stupid the one time. And he said he bases all of his decisions on that one piece of advice that Michael gave him. And he thought, will, the, will I be stupid for doing it? Or don't be an idiot. Am I, would an idiot do this? If yes, then I'm not going to do it. If no, then I'm not going to do it. Uh, or, or if no, then I am going to do it. Uh, but like you said, thinking binary. Will this make me better? Will this make me worse? Um, it, it takes a split second to just stop and think. Before you go and reach for that chocolate, you know, those chocolate chips, that handful of chocolate chips. Should I be doing this? Do I need this? Um, or should I just wait and see how I feel? Uh, but I want to circle back to what you said about, uh, hydration, you know, dehydration is a, a big issue that we see with a lot of people. Um, not enough people are drinking, uh, water and your body needs water. It's like running your car on, on gas fumes over and over again. Eventually it's going to catch up to you. Um, so hydration is a very, very important thing and something that we talk about in the office quite a bit too. How do you approach that? Uh, just from the perspective of just drinking more water, or are you talking about any kind of supplements in particular, or, or what? What's what's that hydration talk usually look like? The hydration talk usually talks about uh, more so eliminating or reducing down caffeinated beverages or alcoholic beverages that can cause uh, diuretic response, where cause you to urinate a little bit more, uh, but also just increasing. You know, most people are not drinking. One patient of mine, um, severe back spasms. I was asking him how much water he was drinking a day. He told me exactly what he does every single day. It was a six or eight ounce cup of coffee in the morning and an eight ounce glass of water with dinner at night. And I, my jaw almost hit the floor. I could not believe that that's how little water he was drinking. Um, so we, his assignment for Friday, Saturday, Sunday was to drink as much water as he could. Uh, typically, I'll tell patients half your body weight in, uh, in ounces of water per day is a good uh, area to shoot for. Um, you know, I find that I work a little bit better at 100, about a gallon of water, 128 ounces. Um, and I, you can't see me, but that's not half my body weight. That's closer to three quarters of my body weight. But I just find that that's what works best for me. That's what, if I don't do that, I'll get muscle spasms or cramping or uh, heart palpitations, headaches, uh, some of those common symptoms that a lot of other people will get. Um, but, you know, once again, water is not the only issue. It's just one of those aspects that we can, everybody can do it just to make themselves a little bit healthier. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a remarkable point. And, and it's not, it's a, it's a two-way swap too, because it's not, you're not just hydrating yourself. It's also usually in lieu of something that's terrible for you. So, yep. and not to say that coffee is terrible for you, because I don't, I don't believe that's the case, but something like, you know, uh, uh, sodas and, or, or whatever else there are terrible things that people are putting into their bodies on a regular basis. And to just replace that with something that's a net positive is, is a really good idea. Um, and circling back now to what you had said about the, the don't be an idiot thing, um, I think this, this advice is something that I could say that I think I truly live by even more so than the, the binary thing. And it's the idea of like, what would, um, is, is your decision something that future you would be okay with? And I think it's a really good way to think because yeah. um, because future you on occasion will make bad decisions. Like to go out um, to go out drinking with your friends or something. Like that's something you could look back on fondly. Like, like I could look back on past experiences of consuming alcohol and think that was a good idea. Like that was fun. Yeah. That was fine. But at the same time, 
like you said about like grabbing chocolate chips or whatever the case is, if I'm just by myself and I just um, I just grab a handful of chocolate, like there's no there's no downstream effects from that later on that are positive other than just the the pleasure I get from having consumed that in that moment. Okay, we're we're a society of instant gratification, and that's what yeah. we want when we grab that chocolate. We want that instant gratification. Ooh, it tastes good in my mouth, and then later on we think, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. This is gonna help, uh, not help my goals. Um, so yeah, like you said, yeah, and that's it's, and that's a bad one for me too because my I uh, I'm not good with portion control at all. We keep we usually keep uh, we keep fun sized candy bars at the house, and were I to consume, were I to to have like, if I ate two regular sized Snickers bars. I would feel terrible about what I just did, but because they're the mini Snickers bars, I could eat, uh, you know, 10 of them and not think twice about it because they're in a smaller wrapper. <laughs> That's um, why we don't keep candy in the house. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It does not have well. We realize our, one of our downfalls is not being uh, adamant or, you know, self-control uh, is one of those issues that we lack. Um, so we try not to keep candy in the house. Um, and that reminds me of a friend of mine from chiropractic school uh, who's Great chiropractor now down in the North Carolina area. Um, <laughs> we were roommates, and uh, I came home to he bought like one of those fun sized bags of Snickers or Twix or something like that. And after uh, a day of bad behaviors, I came back and the, the whole bag was gone, and he just ate it in one sitting. And he was, you know, same same theory or same thought processes. Hey, I don't have self control, so I need to stop buying this stuff. Yeah. Stop having it around. Um, and that's that's one key factor that I, I try to tell patients too. You know, if you don't have self control, don't buy it. I don't care if it's on sale. Don't buy it. You know, if, if you don't have it in that household, you're not going to reach for it and grab it because everybody likes instant gratification. We like easy. Um, so if, if it's easier for you to grab an apple and cut it up into pieces, or grab that candy bar and unwrap it, you're going to grab that candy bar and unwrap it, especially because of the response that your brain is is having to that candy bar. Um, to that processed sugars. Yeah, it's dopaminergic. Yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, t- to that point, I have there's uh, I have a slew of athletes who who align with me on this. Where we don't keep bad things in the house usually, but then what happens is, like, say we go over to our parents' house or to our in-laws' house or something, and then there's cereal around. It's it's not unheard <laughs> of for me to eat a whole box of cereal just because it's. Because of all the sugar in it. And people are eating that on a daily basis thinking it's part of some some good, healthy, balanced thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's one funny thing. Uh, we were talking about candy. My wife and I, we, we tried not to have candy around, but um, we had gotten some. And um, the person that gave it to us, uh, it was a bag of candy. And they got it on sale because of Halloween being over. And they had like 10, 16 bags. And we had told them, hey, we need to, we sent them a picture of the almost empty bag and said, hey, we, we, we need to not do this again. You need to not give us this again because we're almost out. And they said, yeah, we're almost out too. They had 10 or 16 times yeah. the amount. <laughs> and it's just like, you look at it and you're like, wow, I thought I was bad with that. Um, but they must have a really, really bad sweet tooth or a really addictive personality. Um, and don't get me wrong. This person is very healthy, very active. You know, the, the family is very healthy and very active. Uh, but that might be one of their resolutions or their intentions for 2021 is, hey, I'm going to back off on, on some of these sweet things because not only do – well, it, 
that's the thing with food too, is it's not detrimental immediate effects, it's detrimental long-term effects. Um, and, and that candy, eating that amount of candy in the future, is going to cause some detrimental effects in the future. But I, I, it made me think of that and yeah. I had to chuckle about that. Well, and I think there are some circumstances where it's okay too. I, I, if, you're, if you're someone that, I mean, for whatever reason, you really seek, you really get a lot of pleasure from, from chocolate and you can't get away from it. I think it's something you could actually use to almost operant condition yourself into other good behaviors. So say, yeah, really, but, but for, for the better, like say you really like, um, say you really like chocolate, well then make it a stipulation to yourself that for you to eat the chocolate, you have to go, you have to take your dogs for a walk or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. And I did that while I was in chiropractic school and in college, it was, you know, if I want to go out tonight with my friends um, because I was 21, 22 years old at the time, or if I want to have that cheesecake, you know, I'm going to make sure that I work out. Um, and it wasn't so much to work out to work that off. It's, hey, if I'm going to do one bad habit, I'm going to make sure that I overcompensate for that and, and do a great habit and try to keep myself healthier. Yeah, I have a similar example there where and this ultimately ended up being fine. This is alcohol related too. So I really, uh, there's a lot of people out there who are landowners that enjoy doing yard work and they, they get a lot of pleasure from it. But I, I hate it. I, <laughs> I hate being in the yard. I hate doing all that nonsense. So what I was doing was in order to, uh, in order to, to get around um, how shitty I would feel doing yard work, I would, put, I would put a beer in the freezer from the fridge right before I'd go out to cut the grass and then afterward, after I got done cutting the grass, I was able to, to have this nice cold beer on the porch after the grass was cut. Well, ultimately, over the course of a summer, I was able to transition from doing that and having that as a reward to replacing the beer with the seltzer water. So ultimately, I got the same, the, the same dopaminergic response, but in this case, it, it ultimately ended up being a positive and a positive instead of a positive paired with a negative. So it can work. You just need to condition yourself to deal with some of this stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, going off of that, like you had said, or like we were discussing, you know, there's very few people out there that have a very strict diet or a very strict um, regimen where they're not eating any processed foods or they're not um, drinking alcohol and not doing these bad habits or, or, negative effect uh, of, of foods and, and drinks, um, we're, that's not the majority. And when you think about eliminating foods totally is typically when diets fail. Um, so we're not, and I don't know how we got off on diet, but um, we're not, you know, especially in the office, we're not trying to eliminate everything fully because that's foolish. You know, like you had said, the New Year's resolutions, that's when they fail is when you go all or nothing response. You know, we understand everybody's human. You have to have some fun. You have to have some some things that you like, um, but it's about controlling it and, and reducing it down, not having it as, as much. Um, we're right next to the Burger King. It's it's about not eating Burger King for every meal, but maybe once a month. Maybe that's, that's your guilty pleasure is you go to Burger King that, that one time because you had a great workout. After I get off this Concept 2 rower and that wind is blowing in the right direction from that Burger King, that is, that is going to get me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing that I wanted to talk, circle back to um, in talking about my history, uh, one other thing that I do is I teach seminars for a company called Fetterman Events. Um, and currently I'm doing a rehab seminar, which aligns directly with what, what John is doing um, with his clients. 
Uh, and that's why I kind of went off on these the, the functional door squats and talking about some other things that we do with, you know, the everyday person as opposed to the athlete because, you know, you have to do modifications. Not everybody is going to be the optimal athlete. Um, so I wanted to mention that I do that. And another thing that we're, we're researching and, and uh, creating is a, a seminar, a 12-hour seminar on nutrition and diet. Um, and I think that's why John and I are having some great conversations about this because he's very knowledgeable on this topic as well. Um, yeah, that's that's funny how you know we kind of came together because we're so like-minded and, yeah. and similar in in our research on rehab and diet and stuff like that. Um, but that's that's one thing that we can go into lengthy discussion that within the future is talking about diet and nutrition uh, and some of these other popular things that people are watching on you know Netflix. Game Changers is one of the big ones that I hear over and over again, um, and and some of the myths and and truths about that um, and, and just. Just like I tell everybody, the only thing that we know about nutrition is processed foods are bad. You know, if we're talking paleo diet, uh, carnivore diet, omnivore diet, um, vegan diet, you know, there's there are some things that research will show and suggest, but then there's other conflicting evidence. Uh, the only thing that seems to be a resounding truth is processed foods are bad. Yeah, because it's not real food. Just because someone calls something a food and puts it in a box and tells you to eat it doesn't mean that it's food. It right. means it's something that someone's trying to tell you and right. trying to sell you and pass off as food. They just shine it up, make it look nice. Yeah, and yeah, that, that is an issue. I think there are there are some there are some universal truths to nutrition, and I think some things can be. I think the problem with talking about nutrition is the variety in terms of the gut microbiome i think too often i think right now we're going through a stage in science where everyone's talking about genetics a lot and i think what's being lost is that we shouldn't be talking about genetics but rather we should be talking about inheritance more broadly and inheritance in the context of not just your genetics but also the gut biome that you inherit from your parents as well and even the living conditions for that matter but that gut biome ultimately sets you up for success or failure later on i mean for you or or your parents to have for your for while your mother is pregnant to have um like a, a serious round of antibiotics or even shortly before or after pregnancy i mean that sets you up for autoimmune diseases i mean so so right from the jump not even in genetics, but in terms of the biome that you're inheriting, that's where there could be there could be a lot of issues. And once that biome is accounted for, I think there could be a, more universal truths accepted in nutrition. But I think until that point, yeah, there, that's why there's so much conflicting evidence is because you're not it's yeah. the same organism. There, there's just so many variables that a lot of these uh, studies don't take into to account. Um, and, and to snowball off of what you were saying, that's the best thing is the the fact of this idea is our biome can be changed. You know, just because you have bad bacteria in your gut doesn't mean that that can't be corrected. It's just like bad habits. It doesn't mean if you're a smoker, it doesn't mean that you're, oh, now you're stuck smoking cigarettes all the rest of your life. No, you can change that. Um, and, you know, you might go to a counselor, you might seek somebody else out. Um, and that's where functional medicine, nutritionists and, and all of that, that topic of, of uh, or that that area of um, science is, is very important because they can help guide you along the way. Um, and and uh, I forgot where I was going to go with that. But yeah, that, that's one really important thing is the gut biome, like you had said, and that can be changed just like bad habits, bad biomechanics. And, it's, and it is changed through good habits too, so that there is, there is some, some value to that and some validity. 
Yeah. Oh, that's where I was going to go with it. Um, talking about genetics, you know, there are a lot of people that I know of that, uh, unfortunately, and the way I see it, and it might not be the, the way that they see it, but they're using that as an excuse. Yeah. When genetics came out, it, oh, well, my, my dad has diabetes, my mom has diabetes, so I knew I was going to get diabetes. No, that's not the case. Yeah, you might be predisposed to that, that genetic sequence, but those genes have to be activated. Yeah. And your habits your lifestyle choices are what's going to activate those genes. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, I kind of chuckled about it, uh, but didn't because it was a very sad situation. A patient of mine had said, you know, mom and dad had type 2 diabetes, so I knew I was going to have two type, type 2 diabetes. And um, it, it was more so, you know, with what we know about type 2 diabetes, um, I don't believe there's any gen- genetic component that we know of, and I might be wrong about that, um, but... I can guarantee there's no strong genetic component that says if mom and dad has type 2 diabetes that you have to have type 2 diabetes. Um, if anything, it was inherited or the inheritance factor of inherited habits, inherited lifestyle choices that led to that coming out. Yeah, I think that's I think that's more likely the case that like if I, I think the gen, I think the genetic component is more likely that you have a proclivity towards spaghetti and so do your parents. I think that's more likely what people are saying. And here's another imperfect example of that: um, alcoholism gene. If you were on, if you were trapped on an island that didn't have any alcohol, you could still have the alcoholism gene. It doesn't. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. shit. Just because, just because you're in an environment where you're exposed to it or not exposed to it, it doesn't change. It just doesn't change genetics. It's just how you're how you're reading into it is what's changing. Until you find that buried treasure of rum from the pirates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that can help. Um, last thing I want to kind of talk about is, so just kind of moving forward with Revive and Ruthless here, just, just what, what you've seen with other, um, integrated wellness facilities and kind of how, how you're, you foresee kind of moving into the future and and turning this into a, into a more cohesive, um, domain. Yeah. So I'm involved with a couple of groups on Facebook, one of them being a gym clinic hybrid group, um, and talking about, um, how to, uh, essentially have a small gym within your your office or your clinic uh, to try to help move people in the right direction in terms of biomechanics and function uh, and functional movement patterns, uh, which, you know, functional movement patterns are very basic. You know, it's what we do from day to day and how we can adjust those um, to do the correct movement pattern. Uh, And I always talk to patients about things like reciprocal inhibition. If I flex my bicep, my tricep has to relax, brain turns that off uh, so that we don't tear through that tricep. And that's, that's one of those things that you discussed earlier with talking about rectus femoris tightness. Both of us are sitting here right now, the body's adapting, and, and what's happening is that rectus femoris, when that tightens, the brain is starting to say, okay, the extensors need to turn off or else we're going to have a big issue here. Um, so typically we see that glutes are inactivated because of that. Um, well, let, me just, let me just jump off of that. One of the big takeaways from this and anything else I've ever said should always be some of the things that we focus on the most with ruthless performance is glutes and traps. If you strengthen your glutes and traps, you could fix a lot of issues and fit and maximize performance at the same time. Yeah. And, and key component with that, the, uh, are you referring to upper traps, middle traps, lower traps? Um, uh, not trap one, not, not superior trap. So mm-hmm. mid and lower. Yeah. And that, that's one key takeaway because I had a patient that, um, another chiropractor had told him that he has weak traps. So he was doing a thousand shrugs and created a shoulder issue. Um, so when we're talking traps, we're talking mid and lower, the yeah. ones that are typically inactivated. Um, but let's go back to that whole gym clinic hybrid. Um, so 
utilizing a small gym within your practice to try to help out with rehab um, and not only you know just throwing weights around but actually doing functional movement patterns and biomechanics um, was one of those interests that I had had from early on even when I thought about being a chiropractor because of being an athlete um, so I started reading books and started talking to some other colleagues uh, a couple of friends of mine have set up chiropractic offices within gyms or, or CrossFit uh, gyms to try to help out um, because we go hand in hand with each other. Um, you know, restoring that functional movement pattern is going to be the important thing to do to prevent injury and, and reverse injuries. Um, so that was one of the things that kind of interested me in this direction and, and kind of lit that fire um, and then having this space available and, and knowing somebody knowledgeable like yourself to try to come in and, and help each other out uh, was another key factor that, that helped with this puzzle. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's, that's a, a, a sufficient introduction an introduction into, into Revive Chiropractic, and I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point in the future. Uh, maybe when we actually launch the PhysioMaps program, we could we could have you back on to go over that in, yeah. in pretty great detail. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to be back. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. But, uh, where where can people where can people find you in the meantime? So uh, you can find us on Facebook. Um, currently, we're having some issues with Facebook um, where you want to just punch Facebook in the face. Uh, but yeah. uh, my current uh, website is just facebook.com backslash Brandon Auker, DC, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-A-U-C-K-E-R-D-C. Um, we tried to change to Revive Chiropractic, but they didn't like that. They'd like to think that that's not our actual name for whatever reason they want to do. Um, so we're getting blocked with that. Um, we're also on Instagram. I believe we're at Revive, Chiropract- uh, Revive Chiro. Uh, my wife kind of hand- handles that handle, so uh, she knows a little bit more about that. Um, we tried the whole TikTok thing, just not up our alley, so <laughs> we're, we're not doing that. Uh, but... Our phone number, 570-621-4390. We're located at 2205 West Market Street, right next to the Burger King in Pottsville. Uh, As is the Ruthless Performance Mobility and Fitness Center. Yes, sir. Um, And how how can they get a hold of you? Uh, At Ruthless Perform, Instagram and Twitter. You can message us on there. you can't call me if you find the, my cell number, but I'd rather you didn't. Just email me. <laughs> yeah, my cell phone got given out to patients a couple of times. So there's some, uh, you know, Sunday morning, 5 a.m. calls that, that are coming in. And I, it's just like, well, let's leave business with business. But, uh, yeah, so phone number, uh, my phone number is 570-621-4390. Uh, you can find my email address or uh, on the web, uh, com or www.revivechiropractic.com. Either one will take you to the same site. Cool. All right. Glad to have you on, sir. Thank you. That's a wrap on today's episode. You can find more about the Human Advancement Podcast and Ruthless Performance on ruthlessperformance.com. I specifically recommend that you head to our online education tab where you can learn more about self-improvement, the physiology of performance, practices for enhanced wellness, and more. You can view all podcast episodes directly on our website at podcast.ruthlessperformance.com. I also recommend that you follow us on both Instagram and Twitter with the handle at RuthlessPerform. If you have any questions for our monthly Q&A or wanted to learn more about training with Ruthless Performance, including information on our athlete development training, injury prevention and corrective exercise protocols, personal training, or for consults or assessments, you can get in touch with us online at RuthlessPerformance.com contact or via email at info at ruthlessperformance.com. The human advancement theme was written by Bernie Wallace-Savage.